Welcome to In the Isles, the movie and TV podcast that might not represent you, but you are welcome to enjoy. I'm James. I'm Dan. This week, we're going to talk about what we've been watching. We've got a What's That Movie quiz, title TBC. Real news and our main review is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Oh, shake up to the format this week. Have you ever hit a six, seven-year-old girl in the face with the shopping basket made her start crying but then pretended that you didn't do it because you didn't want to deal with the fallout (laughs) no i can't say i have before you expand on this was it purposeful no it definitely wasn't purposeful but it happened and the parents were saying what's wrong what's what have you hit your nose on something and i just stood in silence wow that tops your social awkward moment from last week when you stood in line waiting for a meat stick that you wouldn't receive, you physically assaulted a child. It, it wasn't assault. <laughs> accidental assault. Injury. Accidental injury. Yeah, yeah. Grievous bodily accident. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How are you? I'm all right. I th- I'll, I'll give you a brief update on my uh, bin saga. I didn't nick the bin. That we discussed last week. You made me feel far too scared about proceeding down that avenue. So I thought, right, I'm just gonna have to lump it, take all these bottles, these bin bags full of bottles to the tip and let somebody judge you. And uh, I did. And when I pulled up, I don't know if you know this, but at the tip now, they don't open the bottle skip because it's being abused and people just throw anything in. So instead you have two normal sized bins that you're supposed to pour your rubbish into. Now, when you've got 10 bags full, that becomes a problem. So I said, please, can you open this up? Because I've got a lot. And I said, there's a tale to tell you. Anyway, oh, you like a drink? Yeah, you like a drink? Is that what it is? And I was like, no, thanks. Don't judge me. So that, that's the route that I proceeded down. But you'll be happy to hear, I don't know if I announced it on this podcast, the last time I went to the tip, I threw my car keys into the skip with the bin bag. That didn't happen this time, which I'm extremely happy about because the guy who had to rectify that error was not impressed that's all that's happened in my life a tip run that's what life is these days a tip run james what have you been watching this week the latest sunday night bbc drama vigil it's a murder mystery on a submarine from the makers of line of duty the police send a detective saran jones to investigate a death on the surface uh, above water, Rose Leslie, also a detective, is looking into it. That's Rose Leslie of Game of Thrones fame. Is there more to this case than meets the eye or the periscope in this case? Yes, because it's six episodes long. It makes the most of the submarine setting. It limits what Saran Jones's detective can do. Communication is limited. She doesn't have the usual resources. The crew don't really want her to be there. Everything has to go through the captain who's uncomfortable about a murder being discussed on his boat, not a ship. Rose Leslie quickly uncovers a conspiracy that I won't go into, but it draws in the police and the Navy higher-ups and some politicians. At first, I thought, why are we spending so much time outside the submarine? This is supposed to be submarine murder mystery, but all the stuff outside is good as well. Things progress quite quickly in the first two episodes with the murder mystery surprisingly quickly. And I really liked that it's barreling towards this wider conspiracy 
quite quickly. It doesn't drag out whether or not he was murdered. The script, the performances were all excellent. This is one of those high quality BBC dramas where I think you should believe the hype and watch it. In terms of scale, does this feel like a British scaled down production where it's on a submarine, but it's actually a set? Or does it feel grand enough that, no, we're embracing this idea, you, you have some underwater shots? There are only underwater shots in the first episode. The opening scene shows this instigating incident of this trawler fishing boat being dragged underwater and there's shots of the submarine underwater. And now that you mention it, I'd forgotten that there's no other submarine shots for episodes two and three, but it didn't bring it down for me. I am very, very much looking forward to this, as you said. You did say from the creators of Line of Duty, didn't you? Yes. There you go. Sold. All you needed to tell me. What else? Northern for what else? Not brand spanking new, still relatively new. The Defeated on Netflix. 1946, Berlin. It's a right mess. And New York detective Taylor Kitsch comes from New York to train the ragtag police squad as Berlin tries to get back on its feet. And he's looking for his missing brother, who was a soldier who went missing during the war. There's a murder or a murder, as New York police detective says, that raises the stakes. And there's other crime going on. There's detective work, chases, spies political tension and espionage between the Russians and the Americans because it's 1946 and Berlin has been split up between the four countries. It's pretty standard stuff, but what makes it stand out is the setting. There's rubble everywhere from the war that they've put a lot of money into that looks really good. There's criminals slipping into the power vacuum. The police station is in a bank because the police station has been bombed and they use table legs as their patterns it's visually unique and i think it's worth a look just for that it is a bit too long though forgive me because there's been a lot of outdoor noise i apologize if anyone's picked up on it a gaggle of children screaming because they've been hit in the face of the trolley i don't know what it is is this series sorry or it's a series sorry this is a series and what's available on netflix netflix the defeated so you would lightly recommend i'd lightly recommend anything else on the watch list very quick one. By the time this comes out, it'll be past the 20th anniversary of the 9-11, 9th of November, New York attacks. But there's one documentary of many that I've watched this week on the BBC and Apple, I think, in the States, Inside the President's War Room, which is one of the best 9-11 documentaries I've ever seen because it has interviews with George Bush and Dick Cheney and all his crew that are recent interviews done specifically for this documentary. And it's a really good insight into what was going on in the day. And George Bush talks about exactly what he was thinking. And they go through the events of the day and they have pictures taken inside the president's war room at all points throughout the day. So you have a full visual record of everything that George Bush and Dick Cheney are talking about. Absolutely brilliant documentary. That sounds really good. Is it purely from the presidential angle and and just here are the facts or is there a bit of a an emotional tug in terms of all these people lost a lot it's only because you know the channel 4 documentary which i think it was called something like children of 9-11 where it's yeah. all the children whose fathers or mothers died in the uh, tragedy i thought that's too heavy for me i don't think i can deal with that is that does that come into this or is it very much it's very much 
the play-by-play events from President and Jake Cheney's perspective. Like it's sensitive to every, so all the things that were going on, but it's giving you, this is what they knew, this is the decisions that were being taken. And there's a really interesting bit about how they believed at one point that there might be an inside man on Air Force One and how they reacted to that. So I'm not going to experience heavy emotional turmoil because of this. So No, no. Very interesting. I may check that out. And that's available on BBC iPlayer. Yes, it's a co-production with Apple, so I think it is available in the US somehow. That's all from me. Daniel, what have you been watching? First thing that I watched regularly makes up our real news segment, and that is Clickbait on Netflix. This is the latest offering in the fictional crime thriller space from them, and it's about a married father played by Entourage's Adrian Grenier, who I've not seen for many years, so nice to see him back. He randomly goes missing one evening following an argument with his sister. And then the next day, he appears on this show's version of YouTube. Having been kidnapped, he looks like he's been beaten up and he's holding up numerous placards exclaiming, I abuse women. I killed a woman. At five million views, I will die. And that's what really kickstarts this story into motion, really. It's, you know, who kidnapped him? What are these allegations of abuse about? Are they, are they true? Is he hiding a secret? And I suppose who else within his family and friends is also hiding a secret? Spoiler, all of them. They've all got secrets. It definitely doesn't break the genre mold, this. It's, it's an old-fashioned whodunit, but set against the backdrop of the modern age, I suppose, where something as innocuous as viewing a viral video can get somebody killed. So technology in this is is a means by which people are being manipulated or called into action when they previously may not have been, if that makes sense. Make no mistake about it, as much as it might like to think it is, this TV show isn't saying anything deep or meaningful about our relationship with technology. It's not. It's just a tool to enable it to tell the story within the social media age. The format of the show, I actually really liked. It's not revolutionary, but I did enjoy that it felt a bit different, and that is mainly because they split the show into eight episodes, but each one focuses on a different character. So you've got one titled The Sister, then you've got The Detective and The Wife, and it works. I really liked it. There is overlap between the central players. They do appear in each other's episodes, but you're seeing a piece of the puzzle fall into place from the perspective of a different character each time. It's a fairly solid cast. Some of them might be thinking that they're starring in something a bit more highbrow than they actually are, because Zoe Kazan, for example, I've seen her in some other stuff called uh, Ruby Sparks, really good film. She's brilliant in this, but she is really bringing everything to this role, and it's not that kind of show. And even though I've kind of dissed people really bringing their acting to the table with this, It helps sell some pretty outlandish stuff, if I'm honest, because I did have a lot of fun with this, but it's undeniably ridiculous in parts. I'm not ignoring that. For example, that the police frequently take the family of a kidnapped victim in the cars and arrive at crime scenes. And they're constantly revealing exactly where they're up to with the investigation. They're telling them who the suspects are. They're telling them what the alibis are. That would never happen, ever. And maybe that is what's drawn some negative reception to this, because if you look on Rotten Tomatoes, the score is very, very low. But on IMDb, it's like a 7.3 or something. Viewers are lapping it up. And I I lapped it up. I think I rinsed this in three days. It's very addictive because you left each episode with a, (gasps) 
moment and it's like, oh, where's it going next? And you are compelled to see it through. I understand that there are problems with this, but I've very much enjoyed it. Would you describe it as a mid-tier Netflix show? That's how I've seen it described in a number of reviews. Yeah, it's not, as I say, it's not that highbrow entertainment. It's somewhere in the middle, but it is compulsive viewing nonetheless. Good twist. Is it a good twist? Yeah. I was satisfied. It did not end how I expected it to, so that's always a tick in my book. I did not see it coming, so hats off to them for that. Very good. Clickbait on Netflix. That's the one. What else have you been watching? Speaking of ridiculous shows that jump the shark, let me introduce you to probably the more extreme version of what I was talking about with Clickbait, and this is Slasher, which is a Canadian horror anthology series. This series is like some bastardised child that nobody wants to admit to fathering. It really is. It started off on the Chiller TV channel in 2016, and it gained a bit of a cult following. And then Netflix, I believe, picked it up for its second season. And they were like, oh, we own Slash, you know, we're going we're gonna to honour this and we're going to see it through. And then they were actually, we're not bothered. And Shudder bought it off them. And now Shudder has produced this fourth season. This one's titled Flesh and Blood. Each season is a different story. It's mostly the same actors, a la American Horror Story. And this one is about a very dysfunctional family who arrive at their childhood home slash mansion, which is conveniently situated on a secluded island with no mobile phone reception whatsoever. Each year they gather at this family estate and they compete in a series of games that are outlined by the father. But this year there's a mass killer on the island and he's picking them off one by one. Unfazed by the fact that they're all being killed off, they still partake in the games because the script demands it and there's there's family inheritance on the line. So whoever wins stands to rake in an absolute fortune. David Cronenberg stars as the patriarch of this family, which is weird. I was a nice little surprise to see him in this. And he's suitably an evil dick. He's, he's awful. He sets these various challenges for them from beyond the grave. And that's a minor spoiler. He dies in the first episode. The production value at times throughout all four seasons is low. And the acting often leaves a lot to be desired when it comes to some of the casting. It's... Imagine if you took the acting talent of Hollyoaks and combined it with the storyline of Scream. That's pretty much what this is. But whatever cost savings they've made with the acting, they really make up for it in terms of the gore and the horror because there's some of the most imaginative kills that I've seen in any horror film in recent years. And it's all practical, so it adds a bit of added yuck to the proceedings. I am at points not 100% sure on whether it's intentionally comedic or it's just stupid. Um, one example of this is that they're partaking in one of these challenges set out by the father, and all they need to do is hold on to a rope for as long as possible, and the first one to let go is out of the competition. But the kicker is there is a huge grid of eight-inch spikes below them that they will become impaled upon should they fall. One of the guys is tricked into falling by another family member and, and bam, they, they go straight through him. Next scene, they're plastering him up as if he's just had a slight graze and he's wincing a little bit. I'm pretty sure that would have tore through every one of his organs. It, it just doesn't make sense. So this is, admittedly, it's a bit full on bonkers. You have to be really heavily into horror to enjoy this, I think. 
you do have to embrace that craziness. But I did, I really did. And not to do a disservice to it, because I have like slagged it off a bit there. It's four seasons in now. It's a slasher story. They've told the slasher story four times, but told it in a very unique and different way each time. So good on them for that. And this is a guilty pleasure of mine. So is it, if you enjoy slasher films, try this? Yeah, and if you like a bit of over-the-topness to your horror, this is very much your jam, I think. There is a cat fight between three women, which is mental. Rather than just clawing at each other with nails, you get flaying of skin, eyeballs being smashed in. Just, do you know what I mean? Really extreme. Is it quiz time? It is quiz time. In absence of a jingle, I don't yep. know. We're not going to do this every week, but, you know, it's new, so we're going to have to just bring people up to speed. I give you a positive and negative review of a film. You have five clues or questions you may ask me in order to understand what this film may be. The difference this week is we've failed the previous two weeks. We've tried this, we limited it to our back catalogue of what we reviewed, and it backfired horrendously. So now it's open to any film that I think you will have seen. So this can be any film from any era. Okay. I'm going to give you the positive review first, okay? Title, very nice, touching, heroic. I hate English movie because I don't understand English. But this English movie, I watched 67 times. Why? Because it is very nice. Seven years ago movie... And still very nice, even today. Just have to highlight, obviously, this review was written at a time. Don't take it to be a seven-year-old film. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. And still very nice, even today. So if you haven't watched it, please do so. Beep is awesome. And Beep is awesome too. I never realised both are professional actors till I watched some movie casting by John and Nick. If you are going to die and have not yet watched this film, please do so, or you will die with a regret. Okay. There's no information about the film in that review, but... It's coming. I'm not finished. (laughs) All right, okay. God cannot help you. Today, movie have forgotten the storyline. All are only put more on computer graphic and effects, but forget that actors are actually the soul of the whole movie. Story are the backbone of the whole movie and songs are the ambience of the whole movie. Why his wife appear at the casino with chaos all over? The sudden silence only happened to her and him and the music starts. This is the moment that most movie doesn't have. I cry 67 times after watching 67 times when this moment appear. Negative review? Yeah. Title? If this movie would be parody, I would give this five stars because it is so stupid. Well, this movie is one of the stupidest action movies I have ever seen. The music is in the scenes. Beeps, bad acting. Cliché villains are so funny. When I saw this movie, I thought, is this a comedy or action movie? Because it was so stupid that it seems that it is a comedy. Stupid macho jokes, awful dialogue. One thing that I couldn't understand is the main actor is killing people and in the end goes to see her daughter as good man. He has killed a bunch of men and comes to home like nothing has happened and to show her daughter how a good man he is. Horrible movie. If this would be a parody of action movies, I would give this five stars. But as an action movie, I would give it one star. I give this movie one star out of five stars. 
brackets one out of ten. Right. Okay. What year was this film released? Nineteen ninety-seven. Do you want a clue? Yes. It heavily features a popular mode of transport. I feel like modes of transport are in a lot of films. They can be shit clues or they can be good ones. You look right, like, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I, I, tell so me how it's, it's, it's got a casino yep. and it's an action film with a man and his daughter from 1997. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling. Um, Do you want a kinder clue? Yes. Was nominated for both an Oscar for Best Original Song and a Razzie for Worst Original Song. It won neither award. Can you give me the name of... Can I ask a question? Oh, I, mm. If the if question just, is, if what I, is if, the name of the film? No. If, I just, if I just ask for the name of an actor, that's not really a question. That's just asking for information. Um, I'm going to give you one for free because it's not a kind clue, but it could help you with the previous one that I give you. Right. This was released under the alternative title of The Wings of Hell in France, which should give you a clue as to the mode of transport. Does it have Nicolas Cage in it? Damn you. Yes, it does, yeah. Is it a Jerry Bruckheimer production? It is. Is it about... You're out of clues. <laughs> is it Conair? <laughs> it is Conair. I'm well impressed. I am well impressed. For any film from any era, I think you've done well there. Yeah, I'm pleased with that. Did you miss the clue, by the way, in the positive review that said, I never realised both are professional actors till I watched some movie casting by John and Nick? John and Nick, I just wouldn't know what, what that would be referring to. No. John Malkovich and Nicolas Cage? Yeah. Right, okay. Great film. Excellent soundtrack. Agreed, agreed. I haven't yeah. seen it for quite a while. I might, might revisit that sometime yeah. soon. Well, thank you for that. I will, when you least expect it, drop a quiz on you. Might not be next week, might not be the week after, but I will give you one. Right, shall we discuss what's going on in the world of film and TV? Yes. It's the real thing. It is now real, real news, news. First one from me, extremely positive news for anybody currently wet with excitement for June. I mean that salivating wise just to be clear i've stayed really well clear of anything to do with this film so as not to be spoiled until we went watching shang chi this week and i was forced to watch the trailer i didn't know that this film only covers one half of the frank herbert novel so that there was always an intention to release two films and it appears as though they are ready to go the production team is ready to go full throttle with june 2 or part 2 but they're just waiting for that green light. And as may be indicated by a number of early reviews that have come out, this is getting blistering reception all around. Five stars is all I've seen out of five. So it's without a doubt, really, this is going to happen. June 2 will happen. And that's got me very excited about this because it was always like, mm, is this really going to live up to expectation? I imagine you're quite excited for this because having been wounded by the latest Star Wars trilogy, I'm sure you're looking out for a new sci-fi epic and good to hear that this is probably worth the wait. Yes, I'm very excited for it. It's in my wheelhouse, as you would say. Rebecca Ferguson will hopefully be in a good film this year because Reminiscence wasn't very good. It just needs to make money. It needs to make money. If it doesn't make money, won't they just say, forget it, we're not doing the second one? Probably, but it is... It's very much in question, that at the moment, isn't it? Because there's a studio that's pretty much pulled at every single film and put it 
forward to. Is it Paramount? Paramount, yeah. Paramount pulled Top Gun Maverick from this winter and Mission Impossible 17 from next summer and put them both back four months. But Shang-Chi made loads of money, so got hope. Well, see, I'm still... No, it can't be, actually. I was going to say I'm still cynical on whether Bond will make its release date, but we're too far into September now. They can't They can't pull it now. It's too late. Just going to have to deal with whatever the uh, ridiculously low box office figures are for that. But hopefully, like you said, with Shang-Chi, maybe that's not the case, because I know people have been looking forward to Bond. Anyway, June, part two. Keep your eye out. Probably watch the first one first before you get excited about that, though. What's new from you in news? By the time this is released, the full teaser trailer will have come out, but The Matrix 4 has released a teaser trailer for the teaser trailer with an interactive website, and you've not done this yet. So I want you to just go on that link and click the red pill. I did click the red pill. And tell me if there's something that freaks you out. I'm, I'm watching it as we speak. Right, it's gone past the moment now. So as he said the time. Yeah. Did you not realise that that's the time now? Oh, shit. It is. It is eight minutes past six. Yeah, it works. How does any, he know it, that? It works for any time. So it says the real time whenever you watch it. I I was the same as you. I didn't realise at first because I didn't, I didn't know what time it was. So it didn't have any impact. I had to read the comments. <laughs> I had to read the comments on Reddit. For them to say the time works, no matter what time you watch it, and then watch time, so impact, gone completely. Yeah, it's a bit of a failed marketing plot if you have to explain it. Or are we just thick? Who knows exactly what time it is to the minute when they're doing anything? Six or nine. I mean, are, they, are you conscious of it when you start watching the video? <laughs> no, no, no. Well, I've got to say, from what I just watched, that gives absolutely nothing away. But it's a teaser for the teaser. With an inventive little trick in there that you're likely to completely... Not realise. <laughs> yeah. Nice one, Wachowskis. Is it both of them this time? Are they both directing? Just the one. one. I don't know which one, but it's only one of them. Oh. The other one, I think, just had more interest in doing other projects. If you wish to relive what I've just been through, you can do so by going to thechoicesyours.whatisthematrix.com forward slash UK. I'm not going to repeat that. If you missed it, whatever. Hello, I'd like to order an opinion, please. This film is new, fresh point of view. Call me sit back, this is a fact. We in the aisles, here are some aisles. Thoughts in sync, tell you what to think. I'll listen to you, but please don't rap again. This week's main review is Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Throughout my life, the Ten Rings gave our family power. If you want them to be yours one day, you have to show me you are strong enough to carry them. I thought I could change my name. Start a new life. But I could never escape his shadow. Trevor Slattery, played by British acting legend Ben Kingsley, returns to the MCU for Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. This is a story of redemption, friendship, and intercultural understanding that is often laugh-out-loud hilarious. I'm so happy to finally see a character I can relate to in a film of this scale, and it is for that reason alone that this is one of the best entries into the MCU. 
I cannot wait to see more of Trevor Slattery. Am I doing that right? Well, but slight bone to pick with you. Have you not given a spoiler away there, or is it in the trailer? It's well, it's known enough, I think. Okay. Shang-Chi, the master of unarmed weaponry-based kung fu, is forced to confront his past after being drawn into the Ten Rings organization. Daniel, what did you think of Shang-Chi and the legend of the Ten Rings? Don't want to repeat myself. We've mentioned it before. I'm not a Marvel whore. I take it as a casual interest. And when I do delve into Marvel, I often do like what I see. I'm just not as hot on it as some people. This is a new character for the MCU and not one that everybody was probably asking for. I think it's fair to say that Shang-Chi is a lesser known superhero. But regardless of that, I was mildly excited because it's another gamble for Marvel. I think they did this with Black Panther, but you've got a more or less exclusively Asian cast and crew. And I suppose they are seeing how far we've come as audiences. Are we we colorblind when it comes to superheroes? Current box office indications would say, yes, we are. First off, the positives. And I'm glad to say there's quite a lot of them. This is an extremely accessible Marvel film, I would say. There is some link into the wider universe, and I think you'll pinpoint some of that stuff more than me. Iron Man 3 is the main one that I picked up on, and that's to be expected. They're going to try and draw it together somehow, but you're really not expected to have seen the rest of the films. You can enjoy this on its own completely, and you won't be scratching your head thinking, what's going on here? I don't get it. I personally wondered... After years of not just Marvel films, but action films, how are you going to bring something new to like hand-to-hand combat when it comes to the action? And it turned out they can, because the action in this, I thought, was absolutely awesome. The fight choreography is really inventive at some points, and there's some standout moments, such as the bus scene, which really gives the Bob Odenkirk nobody film a run for its money, because I thought that was the best bus action scene I've ever seen. I think this surpassed it. That's pretty early on in the film. Then you get another set piece that takes place on some scaffolding of this huge multi-story building. That was very good as well. There's also a really unique opening fight scene between Shang-Chi's father and mother, and that was very visually appealing for me. It had like this ballet-style beauty to it that I enjoyed. The acting, no complaints there from me. I think there's not a powerhouse performance in this, but I wouldn't say there's any bad actors amongst them. Everyone delivers what they need to. A lot of this film rests on the shoulders of Simu Liu, who plays Shang-Chi. And what I liked about him is he's quite a affable protagonist. He's not your typical cocksure. Oh, look how cool I am. He's no, he's no Tony Stark. He's more in the realm of, say, someone like Peter Parker in Spider-Man. It's, and because of that, I think he goes into it. He's had a really troubled upbringing, but he, despite that, feels like a very grounded superhero and more relatable in many respects, I would say. The plot is pretty standard for an origin story. It follows the same sort of beats you would expect, but they do make a conscious decision to subtitle about 25% of this film And I welcomed that at the time. It made it feel more culturally authentic or as authentic as it can feel to an ill-informed white British man. So there are a lot of positive things, but I take no pleasure, James. And I know you already know this because we've discussed it. We went watching it together. I take no pleasure in saying that if I had to describe my feelings on this film in one word upon walking out the cinema, it would be disappointed and frustratingly 
disappointed because the first half or even two thirds of this film, it was more than solid. It was brilliant. And I said to you afterwards, I would put it up there with the best of the Marvel films caveat that I have seen. I was having so much fun with it. I was loving the characters. I was loving the action. The storyline was, all right, it's basic, but it was intriguing to me. But then they shat all over it because it just evolved into, again, to quote what I said to you at the time, it's just a CGI monster fest in that final act. And I didn't understand what was going on. The action was really fragmented and it was a bit all over the show. And I'm not going to lie, it completely lost my attention. I just didn't care anymore about what was going on. And I think it's a shame because the groundwork they did to get to that point was almost, we'll come on to it in spoilers, not completely, but it was almost without fault. Don't want to be controversial. Obviously, this is a really important film to a lot of people because of what it represents and who it's representing. And I'm not trying to piss on that parade, but I think this film's shortcomings are being widely ignored because it's such a seemingly defining moment. But it, for me, had an almost forgivable, very, very clunky ending to it that didn't work. James, how's about you? I'm going to say my positive points at the start of this review, just to make sure that we don't get reported to the Thought Police for not praising this film enough. The first thing to say is that it doesn't fit in with the other MCU films, and that's a good thing. They are trying something very different, 25 films in, exploring ancient cultures, different styles of combat, music's very different at times setting after the first act a number of scenes look brilliant it's fantastic to look at there's an opening fight scene in a forest that was maybe my favorite scene of the whole thing all the action looks excellent when it's practical hand-to-hand martial arts it's some of the best probably the best in the mcu and the way it's shot is part of that there aren't too many cuts so you get to see what they're actually doing and in Simu, the use case, it is him doing it and he looks really good doing it. I love the scene that's in, in the trailer where he has his jacket pulled off and he puts it back on and he kind of uses it as a weapon. It looks really cool. The first half of the bus fight and the tower fight with Death Dealer, who's the guy with the mask, were the highlights. I did laugh at the mandated comedy, uh, mainly at Ben Kingsley because I recognise that he's doing a Beatles Liverpool accent. I think he's just doing a Ringo Starr impression. And it was really funny. And Aquafina, when she does her Hotel California payoff during an action scene, that was probably the funniest moment of the whole thing. The central father-son conflict between Shang-Chi and Wen Wu, played by Tony Lung, that was well-written and well-acted. That gave a great heart to the film. And I didn't know which way it was going to go. I didn't know whether they were going to forgive each other, whether when we was going to redeem himself, whether they were going to kill each other. I really didn't know until the very end what's going to happen here. How is this going to be resolved? I was really invested in that. That being said, the story of Wen Wu being a thousand-year-old man who gave up his empire for love, then becoming obsessed with getting his wife back, then using the Ten Rings to access a mystical land is really good. That's a good story. Tony Leung is brilliant at showing the inner conflict of Wen Wu, and he makes you feel sympathy for him, even though he's a former warlord. It's an excellent character. The problem is that this isn't Wen Wu and the Legend of the Ten Rings. It's Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. And Shang-Chi seems like a supporting character in his own film 
because they've tried to do so much to make the supporting characters so strong. Shang-Chi goes on a quest to find his sister and without giving anything away, it seems like the first hour of the film was a complete waste of time. It was a really elaborate way to force a conversation. But like I say, all the father-son scenes are good and there's a cultural element as well, I think, to this reverence for the father and the weight of expectation and loyalty and legacy. And I was invested in that. The problem is that there's a lot of other elements fighting for attention. There is Shang-Chi's sister, Zhu Jialing, played by Menga Zhang, in her film debut, amazingly. She's only ever done theatre before this. And she was really good. I really liked her. She takes up a lot of time, though, and she takes attention away from Shang-Chi, and she's presented as stronger than him. And she's more aggrieved. And she's more accomplished and she has a more backstory going on. And she, she has this underground fighting world that she's in. But she's not the main character. And there's the magical village, which was either in another dimension or behind a magical gate. I'm not quite sure. And that becomes the focus of everything. The focus is this mystical village. But before that, it's more of a modern action film with modern music in it. Very like bass heavy music as well, which is a huge contrast to the more traditional music you get. It was jarring to have so much going on. And I've seen reviews and comments saying it's good because there are so many different elements. Like I wasn't expecting I would like this spoiler, but I did. It was amazing. But for me, it didn't come together. It felt a bit messy. However, the core of it, Shang-Chi and his father, did work really well. And we'll get into it more in spoilers, but I wish that that was a more raw focus on that relationship at the end. I actually think if they'd made that, I mean, it obviously is central to the plot, but if they had abandoned where we go with Secret Land, etc., you could have hammered that home even more because you would have had more time to play around with. And it's unfortunate that they thought they had to deliver some fantastical CGI monster-filled spectacle in order to retain your attention, which personally, I don't think it needed. I think if it had been more that emotional arc, played out and actually more drama and conversation rather than action i think i would have walked away with a very unwavering oh my god this is amazing sort of opinion of this film but they they didn't i think they've stuck to no this is a formula this is what we do it has to have this final action filled final act and and it's what fell apart for me this might not mean much to you but it might mean something to listeners that know the mcu more It sounds like you want them to do a Captain America Civil War type ending where they build up to it being a super soldier versus super soldier massive fight, but that never comes and it turns into a more emotional, lower scale fight instead. Yeah, I have seen it. It's just not that fresh in my memory. But yeah, from recalling it now, I I do understand what you're trying to say. I think I did want more of, of that. But maybe you're afforded more luxury with a series of a few films to do that rather than, oh, this is an origin story, maybe we can't take that gamble. Yeah. I mean, we'll, we'll come on to it in spoilers, but even though I agree with you, I think I think the father something works really well. I think where it ends up doesn't really resonate with it. It, it didn't. I thought, okay, the, the build-up was great, but actually where we've ended up, huh, landed a bit flat with me, to be honest, because it's almost like nobody cares about what the outcome of, of this is, if you understand where I'm coming from. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Yeah. They threw a lot of things in there and it's partly to tick boxes and go epic. And I wish they'd had faith in the core of it and what is the best thing about it, which is the characters' relationships and the martial arts. 
even uh, when they do have action scenes, like on the bus fight, the combat is amazing, but then it turns into the bus is going to f- split into two and we're going to f- smash through loads of cars and he- she starts flying around on the outside. And then the, the skyscraper fight, they're fighting inside the building and it's in silhouette and it all looks really cool and they're doing like real knife flips and catching the knives and stuff. But then they go outside and they have to flip around the outside of the building and it all starts to look a bit... Yeah, no, I don't. Are you saying that about the scaffolding scene? Yeah. I don't disagree, but I think that was fine with me. I accepted it and I thought it's not distracting me too much, but I think that's why it was so offensive to me, the end, because it, it almost felt as if that final act is 85% CGI confusion, 15% if my maths works correctly, um, <laughs> human involvement and and it's like, why do all this character development and build up to then ignore them in that last bit? I really would have said this is one of the best Marvel films I've ever seen up until an hour and a bit in. And then it's destroyed. Same, same. First two thirds, very good. But then once the through the interdimensional forest, not keen. Speaking of being offensive, this film is not being shown in China, not for now, at least. And I'm not trying to be edgy here. I'm just bringing it up because I've not seen it brought up in other reviews or in other podcasts. And it's really confusing to me because it seems obvious that this movie was made to make money in China, which is fine. All films are made to make money. Representation is good. I love representation. But Disney made this to make money. That's why there's so much Mandarin Chinese in it. And I don't see this being mentioned anywhere. It's confusing to me. Maybe there's a rule that you just don't mention the fact that all films are made to make money and you don't mention where they're being targeted at, what the target market is. But I think Disney have convinced everyone that they're on a noble quest to please the hearts of as many people on earth as possible, which might be true, might be partly true, but they do want to get some of that massive, massive Chinese box office as well. I'm not going to challenge you on that because I think by its very nature, it's Disney. They want to make money. It doesn't matter how much they want to be happy, clappy about what they're trying to do. And it's all about being diverse and representing people. That That is the bottom line, isn't it? Is making money. But Jesus Christ, that's backfired then, hasn't it? If they haven't released it in China. Yeah, it's not even remember. They've missed out on a... that. They wanted a billion dollars from China, obviously. And just to be clear, it's not just the language. It's It's choosing this character. It's choosing to make a film of this character instead of any others. So again, I'm not trying to be edgy or controversial. I just have this frustration that I don't I don't see this being mentioned anywhere. Do you have anything positive to say about Shang-Chi just to make sure that we pass the censors? Go and watch this film, but leave the hour and five minute mark. That's, okay. that's what I have to say. Yeah. So Daniel, if you were to watch the whole film as you did, would you recommend Shang-Chi? <sighs> I'm not saying it's going to become regular, but I'm going to attribute a film score to this because I think it gives you more of an indication rather than a yes or no. Hesitantly, yes, 6.5 out of 10. It's got some serious problems towards the end. James, what about you? Yes, for the superior elements that I've mentioned that I did like very, very much, I just wouldn't rate it as highly as it's currently being rated. It was no better than Free Guy or Jungle Cruise. I am on the same page with you as that one. It's been given a lot of uh, lot of slack, this. We've been desperate to talk about the ending the whole time, so let's get into spoilers now. 
Bruce Willis. Real name is Tyler Durden. Sank at the end. Oh, thanks a lot. Spoilers. When Wu, the 1,000-year-old man, is being manipulated into wanting to break down a gate to another dimension that holds a world-ending demon, and the demon makes Wen Wu believe his dead wife is behind the gate by whispering in his ear. And Shang-Chi fights to protect the gate and Talo, which is the name of this realm. Father and son fight, and it ends with Wen Wu sacrificing himself. And then there's a dragon, and there is a dragon v. dragon fight. Shang-Chi and his sister ride the dragon and fight the other dragon, and they use CGI to save Talo. The magic of CGI. And you might look at that and think, well, hang on, the trailers doesn't seem to hint to all day any of that. And no, it doesn't. It's, been, it's because, like I said, the first hour, and I think you might have felt this as well, Shang-Chi gets a postcard. He goes to China, meets his sister. His sister didn't send the postcard. There's an action scene on some scaffolding. His father walks in and says, oh, I found you. I want to talk to you. I knew my men couldn't kill you. Why not just send him an email? It was the, a whole hour just to, like you say, force a conversation for the father to say, found you. I'm going to recruit you and your sister in my quest to save your mother. Yeah, and it, and I, I did mention that, and don't get me wrong, it was a fun journey to get there, but I think you've hindered my viewing experiences going forward by pointing out something that is, is, is quite obvious, really, but when you said in our reminiscence review the other week about if you, if you question a character's motives or, or the plan set in motion and, oh, you relied on this and you relied on that, I, because that was fresh in my memory, that is how I came into this film. And it, it was very apparent that, God, there's a lot of goodwill and, and 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 luck been played into this plan that you've set out because this film could have ended 10 minutes in with Shang-Chi being killed. Um, and it didn't, fair enough. But as much as I think both of us have said that first hour, brilliant. If you look at it in depth, you can tear the plot apart in terms of holes. Yeah, and if you were defending or ignoring the flaws of this film to maintain your access to future press screenings, you might say, well, they're not trying to kill him, they're just trying to capture him, they're just trying to take his bracelet and then leave. But it's very dangerous, the fights that he's in, and he could die at any time. And the thing that happened that I did think was interesting that links back to this idea of the father-son relationship and there's this reverence for the father, when Tony Leung just walks in, Shang-Chi doesn't try to fight him or run away. He has this respect. He respects his father enough that he says, okay, you found me. I'm going to go along with you. And I thought that was really good, but why bother trying to kill him beforehand? Yeah, just doesn't make any sense. All paths lead to this interdimensional village. Is it in another dimension? Uh, definitely mentioned another dimension. Yeah. Called Talo, which is a land populated by Pokemon. Ninetales is definitely in there. That's Ninetales. If you know your Pokemon, Ninetales is clearly there. That looked amazing. That was part of what makes it different from the MCU films. It looked really good. I wish they could have spent more time there. I could have dealt with them spending half the film there and really building up Shang-Chi's motivation to fight for them. And he meets his aunt, played by Michelle Yeoh. But it seemed a bit rushed that Shang-Chi decides, I'm going to fight to the death for this village that I've just walked into because it's where my mother used to live, and it was a bit a bit rushed. And something that was a bit lazy is when Wenru's evil forces find the gate, they're allowed to drive their jeeps right up to the inner sanctum of the village, unopposed, get out, and then threaten to kill them all. And then they suddenly set up for a 
battle on an open field with a CGI lining as well. It was all a bit rushed. Yeah, and I think regular listeners will know because I am prone to missing a plot thread or an explanation here and there. But I turned to you and I said, because I admit to the toilet, so Shang-Chi's father wants them to go and do this thing. They're very hesitant. There's a whole, like, we're going to escape from him now and do our own thing, but they end up going to the place to essentially, given the vague instruction, do what his father said. That that seemed really not well explained to me. It was yeah, like, so- whoa, what is this plan? Yeah, let's do it. The difference is that when Wu wanted to go into the village, say, open the gate, and if you don't open the gate, we're going to burn the village down. But then Shang-Chi and his sister and his friend and Trevor Slottery, I forgot what his name is, they go to the village and say, we're going to warn you that he's coming and we're going to protect you. Yeah, but at the same time, what proof is there that his father is being manipulated by a demon? Like, they just take it as read that his father's wrong. I think it's because, maybe this is when you're in the toilet, is that Shang-Chi witnessed the brutal yet completely bloodless murder <laughs> of his mother. So he knows there's no way that she's alive. But dragons exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it is possible for someone's literal soul to leave their body and be consumed. So maybe her soul was consumed and was in that other realm. And she is a mystical being. So it's you're right. It's not outside the realms of possibility within this world that her literal soul is behind that gate. Well, we've said it, haven't we? It just fell apart for me. You said you could have happily lived there half the film. And I, I think maybe that final act might have had more of a payoff if they had done that. But I'd have just happily done away with all of it and kept it in a more modern setting where we were for the majority of the film, because that was the bit that worked. So let's just make this point that we've been like building towards for the whole review, which is about how it goes into CG when it should go the opposite way. There's all the father-son relationship going on. And what I think we wanted to happen, correct me if I'm wrong, is we were waiting for a truly epic hand-to-hand CGI-free fight between father and son that would physically tell the story of the the end of their relationship. What happens instead is that it's a blue lasers versus orange lasers CG fight. Tony Lung jumps in front of the CGI dragon. He's forgotten about, he's gone. And then it's a dragon v. dragon fight. So well, we're not. So there's no all the all the stakes, all the emotional stakes that have been set up for the past two hours. Forget that. Father's dead. Now we're just going to do CGI dragons. Yeah, I'm with you again on that one. That's the bit that really annoyed me. You've you've built up this whole father and son tension with their relationship, and when it comes to it, his dad dies, and it's like, and what? And what? He's dead. I don't want ten minutes of him crying about what he's done, but it's almost like not acknowledged. Yeah. Really? And and you saying then about we wanted some climactic fight between them both. I couldn't really tell you anything of what transpires in that fight between them. It's pretty incoherent because it's surrounded by loads of other stuff going on in the background with dragons or whatever it might be. It's just, it's messy. It was really messy for me. And I think it detracted from that relationship and, and having that emotional impact with what happens at the end when his dad dies. There just wasn't any. I just felt like it deserved a lot more, given how strong the rest of it was. It's less than 48 hours ago that I've watched it, and I can't tell you whether Shang-Chi has forgiven his father 
or not, I'm not sure exactly on what his feelings are because he says, I'm going to kill him. Mm. He says, I'm going to kill him. But then through the course of the fight, I guess he decides he doesn't want to kill him anymore because he uses the romantic fighting style that his mother used. That rings bell, yeah. There's no scene of Shang-Chi burning his father on the funeral pyre and him looking in the fire with a look that tells you how he feels in the end about his father. That's the Star Wars Return of the Jedi reference. It just cuts to them joking in a bar. (laughs) In the end, does Tony Leung decide that he's a good man who loves his son? Is that the ending? He tackles him out of the way when the demon dragon thing is coming down. Like you said, less than 48 hours since we've seen it, and I'm confused. I don't know. Is that what happened? Because to me, he has to end... Does he kill him, or is it something else that kills him? I'm not even clear on that. The red demon dragon scoops up Wenwu, and he sucks his soul out of him. How bad is that? I didn't even know that happened. That's what I'm on about with it being... So all over the place. I've no idea what was going on in any of them scenes. Yeah, and his body is dumped to the ground, and it's it's a dragon fight, dragon fight, and his body presumably is just left there. I, James, I don't know, <laughs> and that and that is why this film didn't get a resounding yes. Go and watch it; it's amazing. I mean, we both did say yes, but we had issues with it. It didn't deserve that. You could have made this an absolute roaring success. I really, really wanted to come to this and say, go and watch this film. It's bloody amazing. But it's not. You might not remember this either, but the death of Killmonger in Black Panther, they needed to do something like that for when we're in this film. Yeah. Right, let's call it a day there. If you wish to leave us any feedback, you can do so by emailing us at inthealspodcast at gmail.com. Please rate and review the podcast at apple.com. Five stars only. We do not accept anything less. And you can follow us on Instagram at inthealspodcast, where we basically do a little snapshot. This is what we reviewed this week. Doesn't mean don't listen. James, what is in store for our viewers next week? I believe it's a hefty double bill of main reviews. That's right. Coda and Pig. Two positively reviewed films that we'd like to talk about. Bye. (laughs) 